This is my last message, and I've heard so many good messages already. I wondered what in the world can we say that's different today? And I think we've come up with one. I hope you'll concur with it. But um, who are we going to look to to get the truth about this whole thing? Well, one place we might look is an experience. And if I looked at my own family experience, I've already mentioned to you that my maternal and paternal grandparents were divorced, and my dad was before he married my mother, so I can't look to experience. That ain't going to work at all. And so then uh, we might look at what's going on in the current church right now. Well, you won't find very many who are going to believe exactly like we do. Isn't that right? You can't look to the pastors of the church, few here and there, that uh, will give us some guidance. And then uh, some people just plain look at the commentaries. Now, one of the brothers pointed out today that there's nothing wrong with reading the commentaries. I just was trained not to. I look at them when I need to, but I generally do original Bible study in the languages and all. But uh, if you look at the commentaries, they'll tell you all kinds of things. Isn't that right? You might get the wrong message. In fact, I think that's what's wrong with some of the pastors and churches today that preached, as we have said before, the commentaries rather than the work. What somebody said about it instead of what God said about it. And so where else could we look? Well, we looked uh, earlier at the translations, didn't we? We tried to sort out the 32 of them, and we found that 14 of them got it right. And that the other 16 had 45 different times they didn't get it right. And so you've got to be careful about what translation you got. You say, well, how will I know what's a good translation? Well, ask somebody that knows. The American Standard Version is very good. And uh, uh, the modern English, Berkeley's, is not a bad translation. And there are others we can help you with. But if you look at the translations, you might come out with thinking fornication means adultery. And that ain't going to work. So what else can we look to? Let's look to the meaning of the Greek words. Well, we've already done that all week, haven't we? And to see what the difference is in uh, fornication and, and adultery and the word bound. And uh, so i tell you what let's do. Let's go to the church documents of the denominations and see if we can't find out. Well, I looked in one of them, the Associate Reform Presbyterians, I grew up in that before I was a Baptist. But uh, I looked at that, and it said that uh, if a person committed adultery, they were dead to you. <laughs> that was their church doctrine. By the way, do any of you know anything about the Associate Reformed Presbyterian Church? ARP, they called them down in Charlotte, North Carolina. And I heard about a man that went up in the mountain and asked this old mountaineer, said, do you have any ARPs up there? He said, no. He said, we got crowded peas. <laughs> and and um, he said, no, I mean the associate reformed Presbyterian. Oh, the old man said in his bib overalls. I knew them Presbyterians need to be reformed, but I didn't know the association was going to do it. <laughs> but that was a very conservative group when I was a young person, and, um, but they had the wrong doctrine in there, in there about uh, what they believed about marriage and divorce and remarriage. So I don't think we're going to be able to go to the documents of the denomination, 
Well, I'll tell you what let's do. Let's look at something we haven't looked at here this week. Now, I'm not one for preaching book reviews. I've never preached a book review in my life. But we did some reviews in the book back here of evangelical writers. Let's look and see what some of these people say. What do you think about that? Now, what we're talking about is um, people that, uh, that where are we going to get our authority from? Of course, we know it's going to come from God's Word. But what are some of the people writing that we are talking about today? You will be, it'll make hair stand on your head to find out what some of the evangelical writers are writing about. Now, when I first got saved and in the ministry, I found a book that I thought was the greatest thing next to the Bible, and I bought them and gave them away. Now, don't laugh at me. It was John R. Rice's book on the home courtship marriage and children. I thought, and there were some good things in it, and he was good on some other subjects, but he was dead wrong, and I found it out about two wrongs making a, uh, uh, the, making a right. In other words, the second marriage uh, being extricated from it, he called it a wrong. I call it writing a wrong. Do you? <laughs> and um, so I got started at least looking at some of the books, what, uh, what they said. And um, that was one of them I got into. Later I quit giving it away. But uh, here we got a problem today, and we're talking at this time about what if my people will do something about it. That's what we're talking about at this hour. Now, I'm going to tell you why we need to do something about this situation. We've got one million kids living with the, without their biological fathers. And uh, we've got a church full of actively engaged, divorced, and remarried members. And one-third, we are told, of the abortions are happening in Christian circles. There's something bad wrong. And so it's time for some of us to speak up and to stand up on what the Bible has to say on several of these related subjects. Um, I, um, I had uh, an experience uh, about some people just recently. Um, we had been in our 10th interim since retirement up in the Shenandoah Valley in Virginia. And this very conservative church, except they didn't know anything about this. <laughs> And um, there was a returned missionary there from Ecuador, so you think she knew a little bit more than the rest. And um, a wonderful old gentleman who was a farmer, who was a godly man. But uh, the girl, the nurse, the returned missionary, announced that her widowed sister was going to get married. She is going to marry a man who was extricating himself from his marriage. She was waiting for him to get a divorce. First divorce. And the old gentleman said, now, tell her to go slow because he's not free yet. <laughs> so he was wrong. And they were elated over the fact that this young widow had found somebody she could marry. But they had to wait till the divorce papers were completed. Now that is wrong. Amen? <laughs> And uh, those are the kind of things we're talking about where God's people don't seem to have the right answer yet to some of the things we've been dealing with here this week. Um, 
the um, scriptures, and it's so so familiar with you that uh, to you that it would almost seem trite. But in Second Chronicles seven fourteen, we all know that verse. Uh, if my people uh, will humble themselves and uh, and turn from their wicked ways and then pray and seek my face, it has all that in it. Then will I uh, heal their land, forgive their sins and heal their land. So somewhere there's got to be a healing that starts with God's people. And that's what we're talking about today. Now here's some of the problem we've got. 70% of the black children are said to be born out of wedlock. 30% of the white children are said to be born out of wedlock. One and a half million babies have been aborted a year. Now a total of about 40 million. Some of them just as they've been born. Partial birth abortion. God's people need to do something. And we need to do it quick. A couple of the New England states are making it to where there can be some kind of union between homosexuals, whether it's marriage or whether it's just a union. The Supreme Court. I've been praying a lot for the Supreme Court and about getting the right people on there. And boy, have we ever had a battle already. Now you've fallen in, haven't you? But uh, they just, about a few months ago, broke down, knocked down an anti-sodomy law in Texas. They said that they could no longer have that state law. The homosexual lifestyle is being taught in some of our grade schools. We've got a problem. And the Barna posters have found out. Now, I notice in here there's about 24 and 27 percent Christians and non-Christians that are divorced and remarried. But I hate to tell you, that in the Southern Baptist Convention, they said it was 33% outside of the church and 34% in the church. We're in bad shape. And it's time God's people did something about it. One of the interim pastors, pastorates that I was called to serve had a very strong-willed young man as associate pastor who was in charge of the Christian day school in the church. And they wanted to elevate him to be the senior pastor. He was divorced and remarried, and he got a 60-40 vote. So he didn't get it. He had to have 75% to do it. But what am I saying? Even the ministers, in some cases, are being permitted to work in the churches when they're divorced and remarried. We've got a problem. I told you about the church that had somebody who was divorced and remarried leading the prayer warriors, leading the men's work, associate leading the women's work, and all, three deacons that were divorced and remarried. And um, we tried to clean some of that up gently. You have to do some of these things gently. But we tried to clean some of that up when we were there. Um, I went to a convention. It happened to be in Florida, I forget which city, some time ago. And um, it had to do with Christian radio. And I was in the National Religious Broadcasters for 40 years and on the board for 28, and uh, president of the Southeastern Religious Broadcasters. And that was a meeting we were attending. 
And um, I met a man in the lobby who was nationally known for his work with Christian radio stations and other organizations in mail order, where he didn't generate income by mail. And a man that anybody that knew anything about that field would know about him. Well, after we talked a while, the elevator came down, and here came a young lady off of the elevator who was equally as well-known in the national field of mail order uh, work for nonprofit organizations. And they went out together. Well, I knew that both of them were divorced. And then when I read in one of the Christian magazines that one of our very conservative pastors, along with Norman Vincent Peale back then, married them. And um, it gave me a major problem. Even a conservative pastor marrying those people who were divorced. And um, I saw the, the picture later where they had married them. Um, well, what have we got? I'm trying to paint for you the idea that there's a problem out there that God's people need to do something about. And what are we going to do about it? Somebody asked that question already. They said, how in the world can we teach this? Well, I've already mentioned to you several times that I've developed some quizzes that I think make it palatable to people for you to give them that quiz and let them fill it out from the scriptures and tell you what it means, you know? And we have four of those in my book back there, and there's one back there that uh, Dr. Gorey has refined and reproduced, and you can get a copy of that to take along and, and use. But it helps us in many, many ways to uh, get the message done in the church. I used it in this last interview I was in. We were teaching a book of the Bible, and I had a class, and I had, um, had them to take the quiz and fill it out. And uh, they did. Now, we've looked at the Greek. We've looked at the scriptures. We've looked at the commentaries. We've looked at what the denominational boards wrote about it. We've looked at all of these things and tried to find out what does it say. Final analysis it to be the word of God. But I think one of the problems has to do with what some people are writing about it. And um, so I got into that. I found a little booklet called Divorce, Remarriage, Reexamined Scripturally. And I wrote, the people were dead and gone who made it in the 1940s. But I wrote the publisher and got permission to reproduce it. And I did reproduce it as an addendum in the book. It's by the Ewing Brothers. And I have never seen anything more scholarly than the book that they wrote. And I'm glad we can perpetuate it because they deal with um, the subject that we're dealing with, they dealt with it uh, 65 years ago. So there have been some people around doing it. We've already mentioned the writings of Bill Gothard. Uh, Bill Gothard, of course, has taken the position that many of us have here. And I mentioned the, uh, well, I think I did, Reverend Guy Duty wrote a book about it. Anybody know who he is? Anybody follow it? I had a divorce. I remarried engineer at one of the Christian radio stations that he carried Duty's book around almost like he did the Bible. Duty gave him the excuse for being, let me tell you about it. Reverend Guy Duty was born in 1907 and ordained in 1931. He served churches in Virginia, North Carolina, Maryland, New Jersey, and New York. 
In the first four chapters, the author established what Jewish divorce law was and admits that it applies equally to the married and to the espoused. So he's right in the beginning. Most of the books we looked into to see what people were buying about marriage and divorce and remarriage, they did a good job in the first four or five chapters and gave it away in the last two. And that's about what he did. In chapter six, Mr. Duty uh, attempts to define fornication, but he defines the Hebrew word uh, zena, which is adultery in the Old Testament. And uh, the, the word in the New Testament is, is Greek. <laughs> So he's wrong. And then he cites the apocryphal writings. How many of you have read the apocrypha in the Bible? Well, you're the only one. I have them too. <laughs> and because of the extracurricular books. And, uh, but he cites that. And then he argues from silence on three New Testament passages and uses human reasoning rather than scriptures to argue for divorce, like a husband convicted of a sex crime. And um, he raises this question, does God now require the innocent saints to bear one of these burdens that he would, they would have with somebody like that? Well, that's the book, Divorce and Remarriage, by Guy C. Duty. And it's published by a good publisher, Bethany Fellowship. I don't know whether any of you know what that is. It's in Minneapolis. I, I was there the night they worked all night to fix the first building, and we had... Uh, a conference, and I was back there years later when they had such wonderful brick buildings for everybody, you know. But um, on Auto Club Road there, uh, so that's that's what one man wrote about it. Now here is another book. You, you, we don't have these here for sale, incidentally. But uh, getting married again was what one of the even jumper writers wrote about. Uh, his name was Bob W. Brown. And uh, he pastored a Baptist church in uh, Lexington, Kentucky for 25 years. The subtitle of his Christian writing was A Christian Guide to Successful Remarriage. And people are buying these books and they're going by what they say rather than going to the Word of God to find out what it says. And. Um, he said, one thing he said was that the children in the marriage were not reason enough to continue a marriage. So there go the children. Another felt guilty about divorce as he planned to remarry, but he was advised by Reverend Brown to feel guilty about these failures is an exercise in self-pity. Still another said, my divorce is right. The marriage was poor, and I'm sure that I uh, love this other fellow Gary. He quotes all these people in it. Um, the pastor sees it as bad that this Pastor Brown. At remarriage, the entire atmosphere was marred by battling children, adults, and grieving children. They should have should accepted the divorce and remarriage. And this is a Christian pastor writing to you and others about what you should do about this subject. He criticizes ministers who will not perform remarriages for the divorce on page 106. You know, you're hard-hearted if you won't perform. I had a lady that cornered me when I was early in, the, early in Virginia in the ministry, and she was angry. 
It was out on the, uh, at a store in a little village where we were serving. And she was so upset. She wasn't upset with me. She was upset with the former pastor who wouldn't marry her. And I'm glad there was another one around, you know? And so I did something that probably was on the verge of being a bit fleshly. I uh, said to her, I said, Madam, I don't have the problem. But I said, if you do, come on over to my office and I'll explain to you what it's all about. Well, she didn't come. But there are people who want to fight about this thing, you see? And she was one of them. Uh, this man, uh, Bob W. Brown, wrote Getting Married Again. And he says, the next marriage has a better chance of success because the first marriage is the teacher. Quote and unquote. So you all ought to go out and get a second one and use the experiences you've had in the first one to make the second one go good. You know what's wrong with that? 60 to 70 percent of the second marriages fail. He just didn't know what he was talking about, right? And yet people are taking an evangelical writer like this and following it. Um, he sees not using divorce and remarried people as deacons and elders as an enormous waste of talent and gifts and an arbitrary classification. He overlooks the teaching of 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1 against it. Well, that's one man who wrote a book that tells you and me how this whole marriage thing should be. These books are in our church libraries. They're sold in our Christian bookstores. And people can find almost anything they want to to excuse what they're going to do on this second go-round. Dr. William W. Orr is well known. And he wrote a book called What the Bible Says About Divorce. And um, the first half of his book is good. I mean, he says things just like you would. It takes a scriptural stand for the permanency of marriage. But he mistakenly appeals to Deuteronomy 24 to say that you couldn't have restored marriages like we're talking about here. And uh, he errs too in 1 Corinthians 7.15 when he states the plain statement of Scripture is that if a wife or a husband who is unsaved refuses to live with a maid on the grounds of their Christianity, the Christian is free and may remarry. That's Christian teaching and Dr. Orr's book on what the Bible says about divorce. Stanley A. Ellison wrote Proofs of Zondermann, published it, it was, Zondermann's a good company, but he wrote a book on divorce and remarriage in the church. And he was biblical professor, or rather professor of biblical literature at Western Conservative Baptist Theological Seminary in Portland, Oregon. So you expect it to be uh, sort of uh, conservative, wouldn't you? And um, he says, since when, actually he says, in the last 30 years, most Protestant church bodies have begun to rethink and revise their views on this issue because of the increased influx of divorcees into the church. I'm asking this question. When do you revise your views because sinners come into your church? You better stick with what it says right here. Amen? And that's what we're talking about. So he has so much, he's, he's further mistaken when he says, 
There's little evidence that Jesus altered the Old Testament legislation concerning God's view of divorce. Little evidence? Over and over in chapter 5, we saw the other day, Jesus said, but I say unto you. Moses said this, but I say unto you. And the man is wrong there. Well, now, one of the most godly men I have known around, and many of you, you might be old enough to remember, Dr. Theodore F. Anybody remember him on air? I stayed three days with him in a guest home in Quito, Ecuador, at ACJB one time and got to know a little bit about him. They were having the 25th anniversary of his Back to the Bible broadcast being on that worldwide missionary radio station. Dr. F. in his first five chapters of his books, Marriage, Divorce, and Remarriage, were just wonderful. He bought into the idea of the spousal period, the Jewish situation, but when he got to the end of the book, unfortunately, like many, he gave it away. Um, his example of David finding forgiveness after taking his neighbor's wife neglects the fact that Bathsheba's husband was dead when David found forgiveness. And had Uriah been living, David's deep repentance, quote and unquote, may have included turning from the adulterous relationship with Uriah's wife, whom David had stolen. That's my comment. Dr. Epp correctly shows that divorce and remarriage in the Old Testament was never for adultery. Adulterers were stoned by, to death by Jewish law. So he's right on that. But in chapter 7, he errs on this, where he discusses the fellowship of the divorce and remarriage in the church. Again, he honestly comments, the scriptures do not have comments directly on this particular matter. His argument that the time of salvation that sin is forgiven by God and condemnation is removed is correct, but he neglects to fail and fails to say in that chapter that you must repent of sin before you get forgiveness on it. David Hawking, anybody know who he is? He was uh, connected with a... Uh, Bible Institute or Christian University out in California. I met uh, him uh, in the National Religious Broadcasters. But he wrote two books on the subject. One of them was Marrying Again. What do you think about preachers writing books about marrying again? I'll tell you when you can marry again. That's when you're a widow or a widower. And then you better select a Christian, right? <laughs> Only in the Lord. And so he, he, here's what this book was billed as a guide for Christians, and is a Bible-based remarriage counselor. Now, wait a minute. I'm supposed, we had a counseling service for 20 years along with our Christian radio ministry and pastors. And um, we had to say to people when they wanted to come to counseling that we only took first marriages as counseling. I told somebody, I said, if we take these second marriages, we'll have the best adjusted people in adultery that you can find anywhere. And we just didn't want to do that. But uh, he wanted to have Bible-based remarriage counseling. And uh, it was an unfortunate treatise. He failed to see in Matthew 19, Moses' permission uh, in Deuteronomy 24 on the subject of divorce was done away with. He, he sees divorce as being permitted in some instances. They're right divorces, he says, and wrong divorces. 
Now, where are you going to find the wrong divorces? And uh, he cites an example in which he tried to persuade a remarried man, obviously under conviction, that the divorce was right. And there were right reasons for it. And that his subsequent conversion to Jesus Christ had cleared it all up. Oh, well, there's not time to go into all that. But um, I concluded a little review of that book by saying the book reads more like a manual on how to avoid certain pitfalls in a second marriage from a secular counselor's viewpoint. It omits plain biblical teaching against divorce and remarriage. And here is a comment that I had made about it. This book, from a biblical standpoint, is as much a disaster as Dr. Hawking's Love and Marriage, which is his second book. I don't know what you do with your books. I have a lot of books. And I think I've already told you I haven't read any of them twice. I have a, a classified library of 10,000 books, and I haven't read any of them twice. Somebody always comes in and looks up and says, have you read all these books? I said, no, I guess if I had, I wouldn't have kept them. <laughs> we uh, use them for uh, research and that sort of thing. And, um, but I've read one book twice. I read it through virtually a second time since I've been here. It's called Till Death Do Us Part by Dr. Webb. And it's worth reading a second time. Amen? That, that I was very well struck. You know, it's funny how we get into some of these things. I don't know how you got involved in this conference. 25 years ago, I met uh, Dr. Mike Gore at the National Religious Broadcasters. He was from South Africa. And we both found we were on the same page on this subject. So I invited him down to my home in Virginia. And they were our house guests for a week in Marin, and put him on the radio. Uh, not only on the station that we, two stations we had there, but on a network that we had a daily program on. And he uh, spoke about every scripture, practically, that has to do with anything on this. And uh, we have transcribed that, and it's an addendum in my book back there, in case you're interested in it. But um, I may have told you, 15 years later, from another state, two or three states away, I had an inquiry from a lady who wanted a copy of the tape for that particular. Fifteen years after we had it on the radio. And we had all kinds of responses to the position we took in those days. I'd mentioned yesterday a book by Dwight Hervey Small called Design for Christian Marriage. Well, that sounds good, doesn't it? We're going to find out what Christian marriage is all about. And he included, uh, in his background, counseling and lecturing at Wheaton College. Now, Wheaton College has been a, a bulwark for conservative teaching over the years. Dr. Raymond Edmond, I never met him personally, but I corresponded with him many times, and he was a great help to me in my early ministry. But um, he has views in that book that I told you broke up a marriage that a lady came to me for counseling over. Now, here's a good one. I hope you're keeping notes on this because you're going to want to go out and get some of these books, aren't you? Uh, this one is called Second Marriage, The Promise and the Challenge. And the name of the person, a lady who wrote it, is named Darlene McRoberts.
And she refers a whole lot to Dr. Small's book that we just said we didn't want. And she's figured out now that her second marriage, uh, I said it looked rather strange to me and odd that a Christian book on divorce and remarriage. And on page 91, the author puts down a very fine statement by a non-dissolutionist by saying the author, a pastor, made no recommendation as to how he would have handled any children born of a remarried couple. Everybody said, well, what about the children? Somebody said, what about the children of the first marriage? Nobody said too much about that, right? And um, she said, in fact, page 139, I believe one of his beautiful answers to prayer was to provide me with my new husband. How received can you get? And then write a book about it trying to help other people to get a second husband or wife. Well, she does acknowledge in remarriage then we commit sin. According to Jesus' words, the sin of adultery, how should we handle that sin now that we have fallen short of God's perfect will? Have you read that in some of these books? It's the ideal, but nobody can live up to the ideal, so you accept the divorce and remarriage. No, Jesus took us back past that and said from the beginning it was not so, didn't he? That's the ideal that ought to continue now. Her concluding illustration is of still another pastor who, following divorce, found a renewed place of wide service and a happy remarried estate, which he formerly did not believe in. That is Darlene McRoberts telling about her own experience in teaching as it relates to all that. Boy, did I tell you one that's steaming up good. Can I be honest with you about it? I saw on a television program, that's otherwise a very fine television program, John Ankerberg, have you ever seen him? I, I knew his uh, in-laws. They were, they were uh, very active in the National Religious Protest. And it was uh, John Ankerberg who really outed the situation by Jimmy Swaggett back there some years ago at the NRB. And he, he's got a good program. But he had a fellow on there named Jim Smoke. Anybody ever heard of Jim Smoke? And Jim Smoke, at that time, when uh, uh, he wrote the book, Growing Through Divorce, Jim Smoke was the uh, associate pastor at Garden Grove Community Church. And the book's endorsed by his pastor, Robert Schuler. He said, this is what he said. His count he counsels the divorce to let go of the past. Don't continue to feel married and to accept now that you're single. That's Christian advice, okay? And um, the Bible says, remain unmarried or be reconciled to your husband. On page 40 of Growing Through Divorce, he says, try to make the break as clean as possible. This don't have a big deal over it. Just leave it in the past. He tells the divorce that they should share your dating life and social interests with your children. No thought of remaining unmarried or being reconciled. And then he shares in chapter 10 a series of testimonies of how I have grown in my marriage. 
I don't know whether this is interesting to you or not, but we've got to watch out about some of the evangelical books. Amen? Now, I'm an evangelical Christian. I'm a conservative Christian. I'm a Bible-believing Christian. But I don't believe this is Christian. I thought I'd look at the Westminster Confession of Faith that's so popular with the Presbyterians. And um, here's what I found out. is a lot of good in it. Uh, by the way, I'm a social reform Presbyterian who, as a teenager, became a Baptist, who went to a Presbyterian school of Christian education, who went to a Jewish uh, thing in Jerusalem, Union of Bible Teaching. But what I'm trying to tell you is, I don't think it's so much what shingle you hang out. Do you? I think you can hang out almost any shingle. And if you ain't got it down here, it ain't going to work. Amen? <laughs> if you don't have the Word and have Christ. Well, the Westminster Confession of Faith put out by the John Knox Press, which is a Presbyterian press, um, on page 140 and 42, it has some extremely good biblical things to say about marriage and permanency. Like, it is a divine institution that persons entering the marriage covenant become inseparably united, thus allowing for no dissolution, save the cause, that caused by death of either husband or wife. Boy, that sounds good up to that point. But, he says, they say, the remarriage of a divorced person may be sanctioned by the church in keeping with the redemptive gospel of Christ. When sufficient penitence for sin and failure is evident, and a firm purpose of an endeavor after Christian marriage is manifested. I told you about, and I think it bears repeating, the associate minister I had one time who had his own church after that and started marrying divorced people. And this mature secretary I had called him up and asked him what scripture he used to go by. You heard that the other day. And uh, he said he just wanted to be sure they had repented. And she said, Andrew, what marriage? The first one or the second one? <laughs> I like that, don't you? And some of us need to get a little bold about this. I went to a convention in Texas where there were maybe up to 40,000 people of that particular denomination there. And um, I met a lady I knew. And with her was a lady from another church that I knew of. And the lady was so excited. She said, Reverend so-and-so, whatever his name was, was at our church Sunday back there. He used to be pastor with us, and he was back with his new wife. I said, I'm sorry. Still there. I had counseled with him and his wife and failed to keep them together. And I could not accept the fact that she was elated over having him back with his second wife. Amen? But... Um, Sometimes we have to do that. Now, Craig Hill, anybody know who Craig Hill is? Uh, he had wrote a book on marriage covenant of contract, and that's good. He decries the fact that many pastors remarry the divorce on page 62. He admits that he also did the same in his first couple years of ministry. He ceased this practice upon prayerful studying the Word of God. He blows it all on page 72, when he states that a second marriage can be a covenant marriage. 
Now listen, I went into the mountains one time when I was a young man to, to I think I was a speaker at something they had. And it's the funniest situation I ever got into in my life. They had a, well, one lady brought the dinner on the grounds and a Shinley's Black Label liquor box. And the other thing, the man who led the singing, I've never seen anybody do it. He could sing out of both sides of his lips. It was the funniest thing I ever saw. And I think some of these preachers are talking out of both sides of their lips. He blows it all on page 72 when he states that a second marriage can be a covenant marriage. Who here can tell me when I'm supposed to quit? How close are we? With this time? Okay, I'll just, I'll just take another hour or two if it's all right. <laughs> well, we've got to close this. We're talking about what God's people need to do. And this is the reason God's people have messed up some of these books that are teaching all of this. And I'm going to close by giving you one last one. And that is the book that's just come out on the quotes of C.S. Lewis. Any of you followed C.S. Lewis, a theologian, uh, uh, professor in Cambridge and one other institution in England? And he got saved. And man, even two of his books right now, he's been dead 25 or 30 years, are on the bestsellers list right here in America. And the, his... Uh, uh, the film that he wrote, uh, the, yeah, help me with that. He, uh, that's all over the United States in the cinemas right now. But um, I got pretty well carried away with his teaching. He's a very wise man who dug into the scriptures and knew what it said. He didn't make it say something. He got what it said. But there's something that you may not know. He was very much against divorce. And he wrote against it, divorcing and marriage. And Joy Davidman was also very much against divorce and wrote against it. And she was divorced. And he married her. Now that sounds bad, but I want to give you what his rationale was. His rationale was that because her first husband had been divorced previously, that she was living in fornication instead of a proper marriage. Now, follow that on through. We've said that if somebody extricates themselves out of a situation like that, they're permitted to marry again. And so they got married and had a very happy life. We report, you decide. Let's have a word of prayer, shall we? Let's have a closing prayer. Father, thank you so much for the privilege of being able to share with the folk here some of the insights that you've given us and we thank you for everyone who's had a part in sharing and we do pray Lord that we may be able to go and spread the word about what the scriptures have to say on this subject in Christ's name.